Hey everybody, I'm your host, Justin Latomsky. This week I'm joined by my co-host, Grant Blahey. Welcome to the B-Side Brands. man well let's dive in we're here to talk about branding and marketing and whatever else happens i guess so that's always good um so (laughs) (laughs) no but i knit once in a while (laughs) so how grant blahey how do you define brand (sighs) brand um a wise old man once told me um (laughs) That a, a brand is the external perspective, how a uh, an identity is perceived by someone on the the outside of it. Um, and when I say outside, someone who's not necessarily familiar with the the inner workings, the the structure of it, how it was assembled or built, any history, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I guess brand and and culture kind of go hand in hand. Culture being the internal. Um, how someone on the on the team or knowing the inner workings of something would explain or represent uh, or I, once again identify a, a brand or or an identity mm-hmm. for sure um, I think it was in Marty Newmar's uh, book um, it's not what you say it is it's what they say it is exactly and uh, that's always how I mean you you said it it's like that's how brand should be viewed and how brand um, maybe isn't currently, I think, by co- uh, companies or not as frequently. Because um, when you ask a company, what's your brand, you usually get like, oh, well, let me show you the website and yeah, stuff like here, that. No, here, here's yeah. my logo. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's really important. So it's like I've always viewed brand on that philosophy. It's it's not what you say it is. It's what they say it is. So, you know, no matter what that co- uh, company has on their website, no matter what they preach in their marketing or advertising materials, um, it really is what the consumer's gut reaction is to a product or a service or your company. Um, it's that emotional attachment, that gut reaction from the consumer um, is your brand ultimately. So when you're asking a company, hey, what's your brand? If they haven't done, conducted market research or they don't have that intel from the, con- yeah. the consumer, they really don't have a feel of what their brand is. Bingo. Yep. Uh, what makes a good brand? What do you think? What makes a good brand? Something that resonates with the consumer. Something that, that sticks with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that they see and they go, yeah, that's cool. And then on to the next, it has to have that lasting impact with them. Uh, there, uh, I mean, anyone who's familiar with marketing has kind of the, the background in different goals through tactics and it's, um, whether you want to engage inform, uh, convert, like depending on what your, your goal is, but really a brand should be able to, to at least touch on all of those, mm-hmm. um, so a good brand, I mean, it's it's going to, I get, I would say, educate and inform, um, and really captivate in the end the yeah. consumer. Yeah, I think that's I I think that's true. I think uh, you're looking at the consumer side. I think I would also bring in like the company side as well. I feel like uh, a good brand not only captivates the consumer, but it authentically reflects like the company. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's got to bring out the values of that company. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's where there's that, that kind of fine line between 
culture, and I mean, we've thrown this tagline back and forth, but culture drives brand. Yeah, totally. And it's that internal kind of pushing outwards that... Uh, yeah, and I mean, we could talk a little bit about uh, later if you'd want, but it's it's that idea, exactly, culture drives brand, and that uh, that alignment between your culture and your external brand is what generates the true authenticity and if that brand isn't authentic it's never going to resonate with your consumer or it won't in the long term that's for sure like you can always put out a a, like a catchy marketing campaign or if it's the first time they're seeing your brand they may not have a lot of touch points to go off of so they see it they they pick it up great cool i like that look and feel that's awesome i'm I'm in but then over years if that brand isn't authentic it's going to start falling through the cracks when once consumers have a little bit more of that right so yeah i feel like it, it has to connect with that company's inner culture that that purpose that why of the company and then properly be displayed externally so your customers are then getting that gut reaction that you want them to get that essentially is at the core of your company yeah yeah yep all right so that's brand marketing what is marketing (laughs) uh i would say marketing is the delivery method for that brand um marketing is how you're going to to accomplish uh, each of those tactics, sorry, each of those tactics or goals that you want to set out to do, whether it is to engage or inform, uh, convert someone, like really, what is your your end goal? And your marketing is going to going to dictate how you're going to deliver that or how you're you're going to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I heard this analogy on another podcast, so I can't take any credit for this at all. <laughs> um, I, I think the podcast was called the Future Podcast. I think it's primarily a, uh, <laughs> I think it's primarily a uh, design focused podcast. But there's some really good episodes on branding and marketing that I uh, I really loved watching. And on one of those, they talked about this sort of analogy. And it's um, so they said, okay, so the circus is coming to town. Um, so the circus decides to hang a giant sign on the side of the elephant that says early bird tickets, $10 off, circus coming to town on this date, and march that elephant through town. That's called promotion. Um, that elephant's walking through town. It's being led by a lion tamer and a clown, and it, and it bumps into a town memorial and knocks it over or breaks it or whatever. And it's covered in all the media outlets, the, all the townspeople are talking about it. It's on radio. It's on news. It's everywhere you look. That's called um, publicity. The circus then meets with the mayor, some of the key figureheads of the town. They smooth it all over, you know, whatever it is they do. They agree to extend the promotion all the way through indefinitely and fix the memorial. They smooth it over. Everything's good. Everyone's happy. That's called public relations. Yeah, the PR aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then the circus decides to take out a bunch of TV ads, radio ads, billboard signs everywhere, hand out, um, uh, you know, flyers on the streets. Well, that's called advertising. And then the customer would then... Ultimately, the people in the town would ultimately buy tickets, and that's called sales. And then marketing is the clear execution and high-level planning of all of those things at one time at the start. That's sort of the analogy of marketing that I've heard before. And I'm, I'm like, wow, that actually kind of makes sense. <laughs> and so what I brilliant actually, yeah, <laughs> I, I loved it. And, uh, and that's kind of what I took from the podcast. And then what I, I took that away and started playing around with it. And I was like, okay, well then how does everything else kind of fit together? Um, and then I said, well, like research has to drive marketing. So I kind of laid it out where I'm like, okay, well, if marketing is all of those aspects planned together at the exact same time, then research comes 
before it. And research flows into marketing. And that that's everything from market research, from surveys, from focus group testing, and all the things from even analytics and reporting from previous campaigns, right? It's all flowing into creating that marketing side. So once sales happen, then let's say someone from the circus sits in the audience and tallies how many people are showing up versus ticket sales. And they pull some people and ask how they actually like the circus, what they want changed. Well, that goes into um, analytics and then they report back to their you know decision makers. The that's data reporting. side of things, yeah. Yeah, and that feeds right back into the research at the top and then funnels right back into the marketing channel. I was like, I, I like that kind of extension to it. It's a, a neat sort of way to look at it. Um, and then the other element of it is the next question I want to get into is um, branding versus marketing, the difference between them. So using this analogy, my philosophy is, OK, so where does branding fit in? And my I was looking at it and I was like, OK, so, you know, the, in this analogy, circus coming to town, you got an elephant marching through town, this goofy elephant led by clowns bumps into a memorial. Um, <clears throat> you got advertisements showing lion tamers and and clowns and all this stuff like that. Branding is the the little voice at every stage that says, hey, um, the circus that's coming to town is Cirque du Soleil, not you know Ringland Brothers. So this doesn't make sense yeah. based off our brand. We don't have goofy, clumsy clowns. We don't actually do discounts because we're a superior, like we with this fancy European kind of yeah, feel. Yeah, it's, it's that representation yeah. of the, the actual feeling to it too. Yeah. So that's kind of how that brand aspect comes into play. So essentially the way I viewed it is brand is sort of a template that you lay over top of the whole thing. Once you're done, you, you got your research, your marketing, you lay the bland, brand template over and you see, okay, so we're doing promotion. Does these things I have in my promotion match our brand template? Uh, these ones do, these ones don't. How about advertising? Does it match? That? And so it's sort of at every step of the way, it's that filter that's kind of gone through. Make sure everything's in alignment. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what would you say would make a, uh, a good marketing strategy? With a good marketing strategy, now, if we're going to tie this back to something that is going through brand development, just having the forethought to say, yes, I need a strategy, you are ahead of 75% of the other small businesses out there. Yeah, no, I <laughs> there's, really agree. There's so many people that just want to hit the ground running. And like I mentioned earlier, there's kind of like this in, uh, interpretation of, oh, I've got a brand, I got a logo, and uh, you know, I use these colors and there's kind of my guidelines and I got this font and cool. That's it. I got a brand. Well, no, the fuck you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you know, I, I heard digital marketing is all the craze. So I, I have a few Facebook yeah. ads. And oh, stuff. I got Facebook ads and AdWords, and so I have a strategy. Well, I don't know. Do no, you? you really don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that strategy does need to tie back to the goals. If you yeah. don't have, um, if you don't have a call it a market share, right off the hop. I mean, if you're, you're coming into this, I'm hoping that, uh, someone who is going to be developing a brand has done their kind of, um, competitive, uh, analysis in the, in the landscape mm -hmm. and figured out, you know, what are others doing? How can I separate myself? How can I, how can I identify myself as something that is of equal or superior quality and what else is going to, to separate me from the rest? Yeah. And tie that back to, okay, what's the first thing that I need to do to inform people or engage people or, yeah. and what is your, what is your driver going to be for that? 
Yeah. So the good part about having a good strategy is knowing that you need a good strategy, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Because yeah. I think what you're dancing around also is the fact that it comes to the organization and the high-level planning, which a lot of people don't have the foresight to see into the future of what where they want to go goals-wise and to know, okay, let's work it back. I want to be here in a year, so what do I need to do in this year in order to create that? Oh, yes. A lot of people sort of execute on the um, reactionary kind of steps where it's like, okay, we need this. I'm doing this. And it really depends on what scale uh, the discussion is being had on. I mean, I, I always go back to kind of this, the small business approach. My, well, I mean, you know, our, our background, I should say, or, yeah. but especially mine is, is kind of the small business focus. So, you know, we're developing brands or helping people develop brands, whether it's, you know, Joe Blow one man shop out of his basement or his garage, mm-hmm. uh, or if we're gonna you know start something for a, uh, put together something for a team of you know ten guys that are doing say trades work or something like that, or if we're doing a, a corporate rebrand or strategy marketing strategy or anything like that for someone who or for a team rather of say ten or twelve on a marketing team or twenty even mm-hmm. for a you know two hundred plus person enterprise, yeah. Yeah, totally. um, it, it really depends on that scale. So, yeah, if it is at the enterprise level, then that's a whole other can of worms. But I mean, if I tie this back to kind of that one stop shop or that one man approach type thing, and you really need to do the the scale back. Yeah, because it's not so many people handling all of these different roles. It's one man wearing every hat, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to fit it with the company. Yeah. Properly. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I said I think some of the key points to having a good strategy is also um, research and, and alignment. I think everything you said hit the nail on the head. I think as long as this, the strategy also has to make sure it's rooted in research. I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for research. It's like, okay, yeah, it's one thing to understand where you want to be goal-wise. <clears throat> Leverage the research to make sure that goal actually makes sense for your company and then leverage the research to figure out what you need to do then to effectively hit that goal. And I think the other thing is that a lot of people don't realize that. So once again, say, for example, this is a, a fresh start for a brand. This is something that is is emerging from the dust, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that you have to go out and, and pay for focus groups and you know do all this other stuff and invest a, an absolute shit ton of money into it. Yeah. Because who knows what you're going to get out of that. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is that competitive analysis, sorry, <clears throat> competitive analysis, uh, look at what else your landscape is. Like look at who your competitors are, what they're doing, and take that back as data and research. 100%. And people don't realize that it's not just the answers that are being given to you. It's how you can develop your own answers and bring those in and, and interpret that data itself. That's a, that's totally it. Yeah. And, and it's going back to what you were saying before, like everything has to be scalable for the company. And uh, yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. There's a lot of times people just get hesitant or they just don't do the research because they're seeing research as expensive. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's time consuming. It's a lot of money. It's like, do what you can do. Cause there's a shit ton of information online. Look at that. Look at your competitors. If you talk to somebody in your line of work, just, talking to somebody, ask them some questions and just pull some information out of them. Like there's so much free, I would say research that you could do. That's very like, I mean, it's so valuable in creating a a proper strategy for, for, uh, for your company. Um, so that's marketing strategy, marketing campaigns. So like a good campaign, what do you think a good campaign needs? (laughs) 
a campaign needs a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're dead on balls accurate there. Um, a campaign needs planning. It needs a timeline. It needs a lifespan. It's not something that is going to be thrown out to the wild and left and then come back to it in like a year, two years and like, oh shit, is this still working? Am I still getting leads on this? Like mm-hmm. that, that's not what a campaign is. And I think there's a lot of, once again, misinterpretation to that for people that are either doing the, the, the one man show or I should guess you say one person show in this situation. Uh, or if they are a, a part of a marketing team, they should be looking at those that are collecting the data and using that data to drive the campaign as part of the strategy overall. Yeah. Like we said, where it's not like that set it and forget it kind of thing, because that I see you see that so frequently on local businesses and it's and it's easy. It's an easy thing for people to fall into. Right. It's like you invested a lot of times so much money into the creative aspect of this campaign into setting it all up. And it's easy for a company that doesn't have the marketing resources in house or the time to focus on that stuff to just be like, well, let it just run. It's not saying any specific deadlines or anything. So just let it run. And then like four years later, it's the exact same <laughs> campaign. You're like, have you done anything? Have you tailored it to fix with, to fit with the changing environment of your market? Like, And, and people don't realize that if you, you push out a campaign and then, okay, say that runs for, for two weeks or, you know, say it runs for two months and then you cut the campaign short and, or I shouldn't say cut it short. You end the campaign at say two, a month or two months mm-hmm. and then there's maybe something else kind of in the interim that runs for six, eight weeks and then you go back to the previous campaign again and you rerun that and people just do this kind of rinse and repeat approach yeah. and there's no iteration and I think people are unfortunately in the marketing industry now, uh, the only thing that people are really willing to adapt is maybe some design aspect of it. Yeah. But their, their overall strategy needs to be reassessed. And if, if they're not getting the results that they're looking at, maybe they need to change the goal of that campaign. Yeah. Does the goal make sense anymore? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, you're not going to be able to go (laughs) out and say, shit, well, okay, I want, sales or conversions off of this and that's my initial campaign mm-hmm. well does anyone know who you are yeah <laughs> like yeah. take a step back yeah and that's where research comes into play like what does the market know about you what's the problem that you need to solve actually um and i see that a lot of the times it's like sales and leads that's a big one for campaigns for any company no matter what companies trying to get sales and leads and immediately their mind goes to that they're like okay let's run a campaign because we need more that's sales. money maker right yeah like they got to put cash in the <laughs> bank first and it's oh we need that to to drive everything else but yeah people don't see this as the as the investment approach that's what it is yeah it's like um i've heard it phrased as this before and i know you have as well as like the the balance sheet item where it's like you want to make sure that you're investing in something that's going to have effect long term and it's tough for people in the immediate that's reactionary to see that they're like well if i invest in a brand campaign or my brand i'm not getting sales so why would i do that i need a sales campaign immediately and and then yeah you got people a bunch of people seeing your campaign and you're hoping that they're going to buy from you but they don't even know who the hell you are so yeah it, it's it goes a long way to take that step back conduct the right research and make sure you're solving the right problem in the end um I'll th- i also think creativity plays a huge role on on two aspects um i feel like 
when you get into marketing and marketing campaigns, I think uh, on the obvious aspect, creativity, being able to creatively express your brand through that marketing channel. Now, this is where you can flex that creative muscle, right? How can I, um, you know, make something that's, uh, you know, visually captivating also, you know, um, still on brand for my company, but can emotionally connect with my audience. And in today's world in a split second, cause you kind of need that in like a, you know, a print ad rate, a TV ad or anything like that. Well, right? and that all ties back to that strategy. What's the, yeah. what is the strategy? Are you, are you going to go with the emotional? Are you going to go with excitement? Are yeah. you going to go with like, there's a million and 10 different routes that you can go for sure. Um, whether it, it is, I mean, I would say the majority of, of interpretations are some sort of emotional response, but what type of emotion? Mm-hmm. Totally. And that emotion needs to go back to and, and reflect your brand. <laughs> um, the other element of creativity is sort of leads into why, uh, like we wanted to do this podcast to begin with is, um, the creativity aspect of being able to creatively solve a problem, think in a different way from pulling from, uh, ways you've seen, marketing or any problems solved in other industries how you can you apply that to the industry you're in um uh, having this background knowledge on let's say whether it's retail or agriculture and then you're all of a sudden thrown into let like an education industry right and and being able to then say okay well everybody's thinking how to solve problems in the education industry i know how to pro- solve problems in retail and agriculture so i'm going to start thinking creatively, solving these problems in a slightly different way, knowing how I did it. Yeah, it's it's just a different thought process and and kind of having that outside perspective on it. Yeah, and I think that that's key in creating that really, really captivating campaign and successful campaign is being able to do it slightly different than your competitors or most people in the industry are actually doing it. And like I said, the reason why we're starting this podcast is hopefully we can bring a lot of those people, a lot of different people from different industries onto this show so we can start talking to them and seeing how they solve problems. Um, Right on. So uh, what role do you think digital marketing or digital media plays in today's marketing industry do you think that it's needed for every single company i mean that's the big buzzword right digital everyone's going digital do you think it's needed for every company and every campaign to some degree or is it really um dependent on the industry and on the company a hundred percent it's dependent on the industry and obviously the brand Mm -hmm. um is that to say that someone should, just because they've got a target market of seniors, you know, does that mean that they should steer clear of the the digital aspect because their target market isn't near as familiar with digital or isn't necessarily on digital? Well, no. I mean, look at, um, this would be a kind of off-the-cuff example, but uh, on the note of, say, seniors, for example, look at something like a wheelchair or something along those lines, like a, a power wheelchair brand. Mm-hmm. Well, would they only target that to people with say a, a disability or who may incur a disability or are on track to potentially be disabled in some capacity? No. What about thinking once again, outside the, the spectrum on that and saying, well, what about those family members that are potential caregivers or, um, going to be, 
they're going to be purchasing those, making those decisions and helping their family members. Yeah, I was was trying to find a uh, a politically correct way of saying the ones that are going to be assisting the the people with a... uh, who aren't all there? <laughs> uh, that's that's really what it is, though. But like, like, yeah, it's it's the kids that are gonna be like, hey, mom, dad, like, have you thought about possibly this? Like, this could yeah. be, and yeah, it's you got your two market segments at that point. You got your actual target group that you want using your product, and you can try to talk to them in a, in one way, and then you have your other market segment of the the influencers, essentially. Yeah, the, the influencer, kind of the advocate for it. Yeah, totally, yeah. And how are you going to talk to them slightly different than you're going to talk to your target market, right? Yeah, but in that sense, though, wouldn't that company then leverage digital media? 100%, yeah. but that's that's kind of the the approach is what's the, what's the primary and if you're looking at this as, okay, well, this is the end user. Okay, well, that's cool. That's the end user of the product. But who's going to be the decision maker on this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, going back to that question then, do, do you think every company should be lever- leveraging some sort of digital marketing in some way, shape, or form? Then, like, whether it's, you know, some companies that's like strictly like digital companies where it's like, yeah, you know, most of our budget goes to digital marketing. Um, but in the instance that you provided with like, you know, let's say the wheelchairs or whatever for senior citizens, maybe it's, you know, let's do 30% of our budget or 20% of our budget. But regardless, everyone's using it just to varying degrees. And yeah, so it's going back to this whole to do digital or not. Yeah. The, the wider your net is thrown the more chance you have of catching the fish. Mm-hmm. So yes, in my opinion, always dabble in digital. Yeah. Whether it's your primary or not, you should always dabble in it. If you don't, I feel like people are going to be left behind. Yeah, I completely agree. And you look at like today's time, right, with COVID, like how many companies had to say, oh shit, we need e-commerce or something on their site, right? Like they, like there was a very like serious reality wake up for a lot of those companies was like, we're out of business because we've neglected our website forever because we didn't think we need it. But now- People who had it as like the, uh, it's in the back pocket. Totally, yeah. But the, okay, so a perfect example is um, places that had- uh, brick and mortar stores and had e-commerce as kind of their, their secondary. It's, uh, it's on the, on the tail end of things. It's not a huge priority. It yeah. makes us, you know, a little bit of cash here and there, but if it's not focused on when these type of edge cases happen, mm-hmm. I mean, look how many places had to scramble to do things like, um, click and collect type stuff, uh, or curbside pickup. Yep. Like yeah, totally. that was huge over these type of situations. Yeah. But yeah, I think digital is a huge element going forward. And and to your point, yeah, I think it definitely depends on the company and the industry on how much they use it and leverage it. Um, but I think it's it's important for every company to to focus on digital, whether it's digital marketing or your e-com or some element of digital. You need it in today's time. Well, and an example of that, you mentioned egg earlier. I mean, look at egg two, three, four, five years ago. Like, was there anything really digital for a lot of these i guess to to target farmers for example like there obviously was for the the corporate aspect of a lot of egg companies but to the end user to the farmer was there ever an overall digital experience thought out for them if there was it was shit if that if there if there was right 
And, and yeah, and that's a, a new way of looking at it. I know we were on that side for a little while working in, in uh, like you and I worked together in an ad agency that was agriculture focused yeah. and seeing, um, you know, that mindset shift with the clients that we worked on, like, Hey, yeah, this is a way we've never thought about it. Or, Oh, what do you mean? I, I don't have to just advertise in like the Western producer. There's other, <laughs> there's other mediums like yeah. to see that kind of change in a lot of the clients that we had was, was really interesting and that's really why I loved kind of doing that it's like yeah you know look at all this other opportunity that's over here that you can capture with digital marketing Um, I mean Google AdWords is insane like the fact that you can set your budget and you know I'm going to spend 200 bucks and then you can get so targeted and you can also (laughs) then get analytics and all this other information from how well your ads did if you then spend $10,000 on a radio ad for a week and then then what? Then there's 10,000 bucks out the door. Do you know that, that how many people that that captured? But you do know that on digital media. I, I love that element. It, it's, it's a huge opportunity, but it needs to be approached very strategically. Mm-hmm. It's not just, cool, I know that I got this keyword that people are searching for and here's a budget, so spin the wheel and let's yeah. see what happens. Like yeah. That that shit don't fly anymore. Yeah. Once upon a time in digital, it may have worked for some and it, it was a lot of get lucky situations, mm-hmm. but now it need like anybody who's dabbling in that digital, digital experience and, and in digital marketing needs to have a digital strategy around this. Oh, for sure. And, and also because digital's gotten smarter, yeah. like companies like Google, which is the primary one that a lot of people are advertising through, um, they know not to rank your ad if you're just throwing shit at a wall. Like they're, they're qualifying the ads that they get through and they'll pick ads that are sort of ranked higher based off, you know, keyword qualification and, and where you're linking to and if it makes sense and all that kind of stuff. Like yeah, the, as the algorithms have, have gotten so crazy with some of yeah, this stuff. It's nuts. <laughs> and so it kind of, yeah, it, it, it kicks out the garbage. So yes, you have to fit in the strategy. You have to make it make sense and you have to not just throw shit at a wall. You have to do your research. And it's not to say that that it's got to be one digital strategy and and that's a set it and forget it type thing. Mm -hmm. The the company should have a digital strategy. There should be a strategy, call it for for the year annually. Uh, And then there should also be strategies for each campaign. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, What's an industry that you think um, or multiple industries, if a bunch come to your mind, that can benefit greatly from being more digital. That could benefit from being more digital. Now. I'll throw a couple more. I'll throw a couple at you. Okay, let's, because, let's hear what um, you got. Okay, so the two that come to mind: uh, one, real estate, uh, and the reason why that comes to mind is because we're going to have a guest on in the future that's a real estate agent. So I'm excited to explore. Uh, you know, because you you go driving anywhere in any city in any part of the world, I think um, you see <laughs> bus bench ads of a real estate oh, agent. Yeah. Like they capitalize bus bench ads and garbage can ads and stuff like that. And, and the sides of buses. And it's like, oh, crazy. Yeah. And it's like, does that work? How much money is that? Like, I feel like if, if realtors can leverage digital marketing so much more, they could probably save a lot more money and have way better targeting. Uh, but I, I would love to hear from, from our guests in the future that's going to talk about that. And, and I think a lot of that becomes the the geo-targeted aspect of it. Totally, yeah. So I think primarily people in, for example, in our city, in, in Winnipeg, uh, a lot of realtors have their, their niche market. Mm-hmm. They have their specific area of the city or they have their specific type of 
household yeah. that or house, uh, whether it's a, you know, realtor A sells luxury condos and realtor B sells uh, a lot to first time home buyers in a certain mm. price point. Uh, so it's where they're where they're advertising, kind of doing that geo target with a lot of the uh, the print goods, the the in person you're seeing, you know, bus benches or buses or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's to their market. And that is definitely capable of, uh, of going the digital route. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of realtors are scared to start dabbling in that because they feel like, oh, it's already such a you know shark infested water with all the other realtors in there. But really, how many are are approaching it properly? That, exactly. There's, there's probably a lot of people who are just like you said earlier, throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. But yeah. I mean, tie it back to a, to a strategy, get somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Millionaire in no time. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, the other one I, I thought of was uh, the automotive industry or car sales particularly. I, we, we talked about this a uh, couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And so there are a few different automotive brands and, and dealerships specifically that started doing the whole like, Oh, book your test drive online. And it's kind of like the, okay, well, a salesman will come out to, to your house and he'll bring you the specific vehicle that they have in stock or in inventory for you mm-hmm. to check it out and test drive. Right to your house? Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But the thing is how many people are, are really just going to do the, okay, well, yes, I know I like this vehicle. Cool. Bring it to my house. We'll likely negotiate on a price and yeah, I'll sign some paperwork at my house. Like, Personally, I don't know anyone who would do that. Mm-hmm. The majority of people that I know are saying, okay, well, we're going to look at this series of vehicle. I'm going to do a little bit of shop around. Uh, I mean, short of someone saying, yes, I know I want, you know, seeing this picture on the wall. Okay, I want a Porsche. That's my dream car. Mm-hmm. Bring a fucking Porsche to my driveway right now. Let's do this. Yep. And those are the type of people in that target market of a luxury sports coupe that yep. yeah they're likely to to be working from home they got a home office they've got you know no time to spare they're busy as shit making millions of bucks and yeah. and they have enough money to throw around <laughs> to say yeah i want this specific car just yeah. bring it here i don't care what extra fees it's gonna cost just bring it sign the paperwork get out of here yeah 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 no i but what about one step further like what if like i'm trying to think of what would be a disruptor in that industry right to leverage digital media and i or digital marketing and and digital as a whole like what if you let's say they the future was no more salesmen um they use them as a test drive showroom and then everything was done online you don't you don't see a salesman after you've test drove it you don't see somebody to sign paperwork everything you fill out the forms you do what you need to do online you submit you know scan your license scan your paper however it's done let's say um and then they just deliver the car to you like and, and then it essentially cuts out a sales person uh, but you're leveraging your showrooms now as test drive rooms and uh and then you're buying everything online. Like, do you ever see it moving to that direction at all? Personally, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of background in automotive sales. <laughs> we got to get someone on the show. I 100% agree. <laughs> but my my interpretation of that would be, how often is that car salesman creating an upsell or a cross-sell? And, and that's, their, that's their tactic. That's their... 
that's their second nature is, mm-hmm. is that sales approach. Right. And granted, yes, a lot of them can be, you know, the greasy used car salesman. Oh, you really got to get uh, extended warranty here. And, it, you know, there's a lot of risk at this and that. And like, fuck off, man. Just give me yeah. the, give me the bare bones and I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that, that get that or, oh yeah, you know, I, I got this car. Oh yeah. I guess I better get the, the undercoat and the rust protection and oh yeah, the, the mud flaps and you know. So what's to say that buyers won't get carried away when they're buying online and still pick those options. They don't need to be upsold because they're buying online. Because it's easier they, to select they don't them. have a personalized influence. Yeah, I could see it. Um, you, you bought brand new truck or you bought a used I, truck? I bought mine new from a dealership. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, did you know exactly what you wanted when you walked into the dealership? Not a clue. Oh, so, I, okay. I knew, so it was I beneficial. I, was, I knew I was looking for a truck. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted a specific brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I have a bit of brand loyalty in that, to that regard. Um, but as far as what options I wanted, what availability there was, what, you know, the overall financing was, yes, it's cool to say, Hey, here's the, the final price of a truck and here's our rate and yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But until you see a number on paper and, and have some discussion with someone and there's always that wiggle room, right? Like, yeah. so for someone to go back and say like, yes, here we can do it for, you know, X amount, whether it's monthly or biweekly or whatever. I mean, I sure shit is not in a position to pay cash for a truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, for those that are, are able to go in and, and drop cash, there's a lot more wiggle room with that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, there is. You, that's where you usually see the deals and stuff kind of come into play for sure. You know what? I'm going to, I feel like, watch, like in five, ten years, five years, ten years from now, I, I bet you there will be a dealership that you can essentially build your own car, make it all online, um, and then buy it, sign the paperwork, do all that stuff, and they've priced no bullshit pricing where all that wiggle room is just sort of built into it um, already. So like they're, they're however they do it on their pricing structure, whether they're like a direct dealer or whatever it happens to be. And they built into their pricing where they, they have gotten rid of that negotiation part. And they're like, you will pay the best prices here, no matter what you can buy it all online and we'll ship it to you. So then if that's the route that it's going to go, the other, the other piece to that puzzle, the other, discussion for that is what's going to be the difference between any other dealership out there what's going to be the difference well, between yeah. dealership a versus dealership b how are they going to do competitive pricing if it's going to be x percentage of market exactly. something and that's where it gets interesting so right? like are, are dealerships as a whole just going to be by the wayside and there's just going to be these generic brand showrooms everywhere Possibly, right? But like, (laughs) if they don't innovate, right? Because think about it. Like, how many industries have an innovator come into and done something like this where you're like, well, you've made everything now obsolete? Like, uh, taxi drivers and Uber, right? It's like, how much money did I invest into this taxi to get all these licenses? And then all of a sudden, you pop up in here and it's made all of the money I put into this uh, completely fucking useless. Like, I feel like it happens so frequently that if it did happen like that for dealerships, that's where dealerships would have to start leveraging their brand in some way, shape, or form to say, yeah, you have to come to our dealership because we're better because of this kind of thing. Like they have to start but playing in like that. That's, that's the argument that's being had now. And it's that level of 
personalization and care and the customer experience mm-hmm. that they receive when they come in in person. Yeah. And and that may be what they leverage, right? It's like, yeah, you could buy online or do you want a face-to-face? And they may just stand their ground on that. And, but I think that that's where it would get interesting to see how the end industry would change. And even, and I go back to real estate, um, like Purple Brick, right? You're, you don't need a real estate agent. You could just sell your house now. It's like, well, now are real estate agents going to then start saying, yeah, but... We're people face to face that can handle these things for you, get you better deals, or whatever it happens to be. Like and that's the that's the aspect. So real estate specifically, I think it goes back to that the realtor knowing their niche market, they know yeah. their area, they know their price point, whatever whatever it is that they identify as being their specialty, mm-hmm. um, whatever that variable is. And I feel like that's the selling point for a lot of people. And yeah. it's, it's a level of comfort, right? And mm-hmm. it's also a level of, we will handle this for you. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I think that that's what, re- I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about it on later episodes, but I feel like that's exactly where they're going to try to focus their their selling proposition, their unique selling proposition, yeah. essentially. It's like, hey, yeah, I know this exists, but you're not getting X, Y, Z, and you get that with us kind of thing. And where if the car industry did move to that model that I described, that's what they would have to do. It's like, yeah, there's a person over here, though. So do you want to talk to a person? Um what do you think the next big thing in marketing and branding is? The next big thing in marketing is is something that I think is already in marketing but is going to become more mainstream is personalization. Mm-hmm. Um, is tailoring things to anyone who may visit your site no matter what their mindset is. Yeah. Um, there's already chatbots that are on damn near every other large scale site that people are dealing with, whether it's uh, kind of that upfront chat bot where it's filtering yeah. through things and then, you know, okay, well, was I able to solve this problem for you? No. Oh, you want to speak to an operator type thing? Cool. Well, here's whether that's via chat or phone or whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, but the level of personalization is going to be uh, myself. I, I'm, fairly familiar with uh with the the overall goal of doing one-to-one marketing Mm -hmm. and to do okay well you come and you want to shop for product a joe blow wants to shop for product a as well and cindy lou over here wants to shop for product b Mm -hmm. you may all have very different mindsets um you may be very frugal about things and pinch your pennies uh, Joe Blow may, you know, be a big spender and just show up and cool. I need it. Don't care yeah. what it costs. That's it. I'm we call it my customer cart. personas, different customer it, it, personas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's going to be different mindsets to each of those personas. Mm-hmm. And how do you tailor your messaging, your overall experience from not only your campaigns, but your site, your... It, your interface, uh, everything about that experience can be tailored to a person at a one-on-one level in some way, way, shape, or form. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And the only thing I would add to that is how to do it in a non-digital or less invasive way. And and the reason why I go there is I think um, like the media, especially in the last like few years, has been just covered with 
Facebook is selling this information and, and this is selling this information. And it became like it's stuff that's always happened and and now it's brought forward and people there's this mass panic around it, obviously. And and um, and and now there's like mandatory to put like, hey, this website does cookies tracking. Is that OK with you? And and it's like that the fucking cookies We've have been around since. Privacy policy. Yeah. Like it's been around <laughs> for years. And now with all this media coverage, decades, it's like now every, everyone's thinking about it top of mind. I can't tell you how many Facebook shared videos I've seen of, okay, guys, let me show you how to turn off your tracking settings. And your. it's like, uh, I feel like people are going to get swept into that mindset and be scared by this. Like it's a security thing. Yeah. It's totally what it is. So I feel like companies have to move to a way um, to the next step of marketing is how do we still use the digital media aspect? Cause there's a lot of information that you can and, gather. And from that's on the brand for providing that reassurance. Yeah. It's, it's that authenticity that you talked about. Earlier. Yeah, exactly. How to use all that, provide that like personal approach in a, in a sort of a comforting way and be authentic about it as well. Uh, obviously I don't have the answer what that would be because <laughs> I would be a millionaire in that, but yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. How do you leverage the modern digital techniques in an, essentially an old fashioned way and be very one-to-one and personal with the person. And, and the personalization aspect, uh, I, I actually just saw something, uh, on social media the other day and it was a level of personalization that's physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at, I mentioned geo targeting earlier, you look at newspapers and they will actually tailor their, so, so say it's, for example, it's a national newspaper. Um, they had different uh, political stories that were, say, one, for example, print A uh, in a specific region was very uh, far right, for example, mm-hmm. or whatever. And they expanded their their print of this political story to be, to be say, two-thirds of a page with a more aggressive tagline. Yeah. Uh, more, more aggressive headline for that region. and That's and on the cool. other region that would have been say more left they actually shrunk that to say a third of the the column mm-hmm. and they dialed back the the headline on that to be a little bit more soft-hearted that is awesome like that's genius i didn't know they were doing it's that genius but Fuck, is that shady too? It totally. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> fake news, right? But but, but, but that's yeah. exactly it. Is how do you personalize and deliver the same messaging? But I mean, yeah, dating back centuries, media has been spitting the news to the way that, that would resonate with the yeah. audience. Yeah, because how would you survive if you're not? You have to captivate your audience, right? So yeah, if you're sending something that's going to enrage your audience, they're not going to listen to you anymore. So that's crazy. Or, or do you want to enrage them? Do you want or, to yeah. start that fire? Like That's a good question. Yeah. Once again, ties back to strategy. Yeah, <laughs> that is cool. I didn't know they are doing that. And yeah, that's a good point. Like I, I'm even thinking about like online newspapers where you can subscribe subscribe uh, and maybe they do this i don't subscribe to any online newspapers but maybe they already do this where you can select your interests where essentially they're going to tailor your top posts based off of whatever you care about because if i don't care about let's say yes yeah, stock markets or politics i'm not ever going to see that on my top posts i want to just see like you know sports or whatever it happens to be right sports and comics <laughs> yeah yes. just i just want to see sports and comics you know like, your dad when <laughs> I'll spend 10 bucks a month just to see sports and comments. Can you just do that? <laughs> but yeah, no, that's like what's stopping them from do that, doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's cool. Um, 
So what do you think about uh, digital marketing? And, and, you know, I just mentioned about how like it's been covering covering the media about, you know, Facebook listening to you and watching what you're doing and, and people are saying, oh, your phone's listening to you and Alexa listens to you. Yeah. Do you give a shit? Like, what is your personal opinion about it? You know what? I'm, I'm so split on this because obviously being in the marketing industry, fuck, let's collect every bit of information we can. It makes things that much easier. And the, to those that are willing to share it, it's fantastic for us, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's going to help us get better data collection. We can do a better analysis of it. We've got a, a larger snapshot of things and we can better use that to inform our campaigns and our strategies. But at the personal level, I'm kind of like, well, cool, but what else, who else is listening? Is this information being fed to? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there's, I don't know if it's like the conspiracy theory mindset sitting at the back of my mind or what's going on but uh i'm so torn yeah there's there there does feel to me like there's a little bit of that invasive um approach to it where i'm kind of like well yeah cool i'll share some information with to me it's kind of like okay well i'll 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 tell my best friend some secrets but it's not stuff that i want public knowledge Mm mm-hmm so kind of the same approach with, with how I'm shopping, because I may have brand loyalty to this company, but then all of a sudden somehow or another, I shop on another, I browse another company's thing and they're all of a sudden collecting more information on me. And it's going to be kind of that push pull between things. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, in your mindset, I feel like as a person knowing you, you're a little bit more like Gen X leaning (laughs) and I'm a lot more like millennial Gen Y kind of leaning in my mindset. Like I've never seen it being used maliciously, at least for me. And in most articles, it's usually conspiracy theories. Yeah, like you said. and it is, it is a sheer level of paranoia. Yeah, right? totally. And that's that's all it is. For me, it's like there's so much shit on social media that says, oh, this is going to, you know, they're selling it to Russia. I'm like, <laughs> show me actual evidence of someone being fucked over by Facebook just selling your information. And then I'll start caring. And I almost have to wait till something bad happens to care. Because for me, I'm like... Yeah, I don't care. If you're going to listen to my conversations on my phone, if Alexa's going to hear any, anything I'm talking about, or you're going to hear some weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I will at least get ads for what I, I'm interested in. And I've bought so many things. I'm such a sucker. Being in the marketing, marketing rubber industry. rubber fist. <laughs> being in the marketing industry, I'm such a sucker because I know how this stuff works. I bought so much shit on, on Instagram ads from because, you know, it bases it, base it on, like, who you follow and who you like and all yeah, that oh, stuff. Sure. And Your it's search like, history, oh, then you're going to like this. You're going to like this. I think it's it's been, like, 10 or 15 things that I've, that I've seen pop up on my Instagram feed, and I'm like... Fuck yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like that. I like that. I like the fact that I don't have to hunt around for shit, and it can come find me now. Yeah. And I'm completely. Con- if you want to listen, do whatever. Because if it means that I have a better and easier buying experience in my life, fucking do it. Yeah, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like I said, to me, there's just kind of this level of like, I don't know. I've got like a 
75-year-old brain inside. Yeah. Well, that's Boomer. That's more than Gen Y. Gen X. That's <laughs> like Boomer. 75-year-old brain inside my 32-year-old body. <laughs> but then again, a 32-year-old body once in a while feels like a 75-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like a 32-year-old body. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's, it is it is a crazy world. And I understand it's polarizing. Like a lot of people have different mentalities. It's, oh, for and, sure. And it's pushing a lot of people to be more off the grid than they would have ever been before. But yeah, it's pushing a lot of people to be like more on the grid almost. Because it's like, great, you can tailor this. Perfect. And I've had that discussion with, with several friends and, and my wife included where it's like, I could 100% live off grid for 10 years. Yeah, I know you could. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I could go live in the bush and hunt and forage and have fun without anything to do digitally. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would, in my soul, I would miss the the creative aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, let's take a quick break, uh, refill some drinks, eat some chips, and uh, we'll regroup in just a couple minutes. Swing. All right. All right, guys, this is where we're going to wrap on episode one. Check out episode two. Grant and I come back after the break and we talk all about our own personal brands, how your personal brand should fit with your employer's brand. Uh, We dive back into the topic of corporate culture and how culture drives brand. You definitely don't want to miss that. We also talk about some of the brands that we love and guests that we're looking forward to having on the show in this season and future seasons. So don't miss it. Go check out episode two right now. Also, guys, if you like what you hear, we would love your support. Please give us a like and go follow or subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And please spread the word on social media. Share this podcast, snap a picture of it, post it, whatever. Just tag us in it on every social media platform you can. And for all the latest updates, behind the scenes footage and sneak peeks at future episodes, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the B-Side Brands. And finally, if you want to be on the show or you know someone else that has a badass B-Side brand to talk about, send us an email and we'll set it all up. That's all from us today. Here's our theme song, Ghost by North by South.